They say software is eating the world. Personally, I think Amazon's eating the world. Either way, today we're talking SaaS, how to start a Series A fundable SaaS business, and how to acquire and reduce churn, acquire customers and reduce churn. The detailed guide. If you guys are new, this is the Syndicate Blogcast. This is where I, yours truly, Matt Ward, angel investor, VC, not exactly VC, more angel investor, serial entrepreneur, and startup advisor. Sometimes when you're talking fast, you don't even know what you're saying. I find it gets into very interesting conversations. But that's where I break down different tech concepts, specifically related to my background, building and selling businesses, working with companies, and investing in some of the best and brightest tech startups. And yeah, have people from the industry, the best insiders, investors, experts, entrepreneurs on the program. The Syndicate.vc, we have an interview series where we have the top angels and VCs from around the world. We have this series, our blogcast, where I'm sharing my thoughts and making it in an audio version because I know I personally love podcasts. I can, you can double exit. You don't have to listen at that regular speed. You can rack through content and get a lot more while you're at the gym hitting out the reps. It's always good. So the syndicate.vc, you can get on our different newsletters. You can sign up for our roundtables where we have incredible people like Gil Penchina, Andy Bromberg of CoinList, talk cryptocurrency. We just had a recent one about AI, autonomous vehicles, and the future of cities and society. And we've got another great one coming up on the future of consumer tech with James Allworth and Tim O'Reilly. I'm pretty darn pumped about that one. And now, if that's enough, the syndicate.vc, but let's get back. How to start a Series A fundable SaaS business. The 10, well really it's 15 pages at this point. The 15 page guide to acquiring customers and reducing churn. This is going to be a mouthful. Software as a service, that's the new heroine. Companies and individuals are signing up for free trials and are instantly hooked. That's a hell of a drug. For B2B businesses, this is especially true. Most businesses hate change. When the ball's rolling, the last thing you want is to overhaul the entirely new system. You stick with what's working, the easy solution. Even if it means a few more dollars, dollars be damned. Time is money for these guys, and saving days, weeks, or months from switching software is usually a no-brainer. If your software solves the pain point for customers and companies, you're in business. Andreessen says software is eating the world. I gotta agree. You've probably heard this. It's true. AWS, Salesforce, Slack, Shopify, Intuit. It's unreal. These companies don't have physical assets. What they provide and sell is a service a SaaS product. These are some of the most valuable and powerful companies in the world. They don't focus on physical products. They aren't buying real estate. They don't invest in cars, gold, or Bitcoin. They build businesses other businesses need to have and are willing to pay for. The beauty of SaaS lies in the margins. Once a piece of code is built, it costs almost nothing to run and maintain. You can scale servers almost infinitely, bring on more devs, and the costs never balloon out of control. They stay very small and manageable a low percentage of the actual price. And more and more, companies are moving towards these models. The reason? Revenue. Recurring revenue is king. It's the thing that investors and VCs, like me, look for. It's the mark of a healthy business. How consistent are your cash flows? That's Business Basics 101. Money in versus money out. The seven keys to killing it with SaaS. Part one, acquiring customers. In its simplest form, acquiring customers is a must for every business. How do you get individuals or organizations to pay? That's the big question. For every business, this is different. Not the approach, but the end result. To get customers, you need to get in front of prospective customers. You need to show the value of your product and explain how it'll make their lives better, easier, faster, sexier, cheaper, etc. For sake of argument, let's say you have an awesome product. If not, stop reading, stop listening, 
Go talk to customers. Figure out what the heck they want and would pay for. Find their pain and fix it. Okay, we're back. Assuming you have a good product, how do you get customers? How do you get users? The strategy depends on the product and the market and the price point. The higher the price, the more touch points you're going to need with prospective customers, and the harder it's going to be to get impulse buys or downloads. Let's cover the strategies and pros and cons of each. Seven ways to get customers. Referrals, paid ads, social media, affiliates, partnerships, marketplaces, and content creation. Referrals, also known as word of mouth. This is the best, most popular, and scalable way to build a business. When your product or service is epic and people love it, they talk about it. Every new user they bring is gold. Zero dollar CAC, i.e. cost of acquisition. That's awesome, but it's also really goddamn hard. Things don't just go viral. There's a science and a bit of luck involved. NPS or Net Promoter Score is the best way to measure virality. It involves polling customers to find their thoughts and affinity towards you, your brand, and your product, and how likely they are to share it with a friend. There's a lot of ways to increase NPS. The most obvious are a great product and killer customer service. But virality, it can also be engineered. Airbnb offers a free stay for any friend you refer, and one for you as well. Groupon gave great deals for large groups. Facebook had obvious network effects. The more users on the platform, the more valuable it is for you. How can you engineer something like that into your own product? That's the question. In most cases, it's the difference between greatness and obscurity. Go brainstorm. Strategy two, paid ads. Paid traffic is one of the most scalable, fastest ways to grow. It allows for consistent traffic and specific targeting to grow your customer base. But it also costs money and is exceedingly challenging to set up. Only experienced marketers really can do this well, easily, and quickly. Whether it's Facebook, Google, Pinterest, Bing, or YouTube, there are tons of options for running ads. The problem is it all comes down to optimization. You need to lose money and fine-tune the process. But it allows for rapid scaling and testing. How else can you get hundreds or thousands of eyeballs on your offer the very day after launching? Paid traffic's great early on for testing offers and saving time. As a long-term strategy, you want to replace as much as you can with sustainable, low-cost options, however. When advertising, be sure to track your CAC, cost of acquisition, and LTV, lifetime value of a customer. Many startups scale with unsustainable unit economics and never realize that until it's too late. Look at a lot of these delivery companies. So, I can sell you a dollar for 50 cents all day, but no amount of optimization or VC funding is going to make it worth your while. Number three, social media. Friends and followers are a great way to get the ball rolling. Whether it's an app or a B2B business, odds are you can get some early adopters, testers, and traction by starting early with social. Find groups and forums related to your product and ask for advice. Get feedback. Never push your product unless it's awesome. Otherwise, people will call you a scammer. If it's awesome, it's almost always okay. Instead of special early adopter deals, share your story and goals and try to earn a little love with the community. Grassroots growth can build a viral movement. Unfortunately, that's not very scalable. Building a social media following works, but it takes time. Start early, be consistent, and perhaps a loyal Pinterest or Instagram following can propel your business in the future. Probably not now, though. Giveaways with email opt-ins, however, that could work. Note, make sure that the prize you're giving away is relevant to the product or service you're offering. Otherwise, you just end up with a bunch of irrelevant leads with no interest in your product. And a bunch of wasted time. And that sucks. Number four, affiliates. There are many types of affiliates. Excuse me. The most prevalent and important of these are CPA affiliates and content creators. 
These are very different business models. Content creators are your traditional blogs, YouTubers, publications, anything with product images or reviews on their site. When readers are interested, they click through to your offer, and for every sign-up leads or sale they generate, they earn a commission. It's a great way to build your profile, get links, and grow your distribution. Completely free. CPA affiliates, on the other hand, are mercenary advertisers. Stands for cost per acquisition, I believe. If not, then that's a perfectly good metaphor. Perfectly good acronym as well. But these guys, they run paid traffic to your offers. They receive a commission on every result. If you find your average LTV lifetime value is $100, you could offer affiliates $10 to $50 for every new user they bring. Affiliates are going to go, they'll advertise for you, and they're going to try to spend less than the commission. And that creates a cash cow for them where they can just leverage the difference. Affiliates remove the ad spend from your company, and that's great. Saves you money, lower overhead. At the same time, it can expose your startup to less than stellar clientele. You really need to make sure you filter the affiliates you work with. To learn more about affiliates, great marketplaces, and connect with affiliates, ClickBank and CJ or CommissionJunction.com are great resources. Partnerships and joint ventures. Businesses are simple. They just want to make money. Use this to your advantage. How can you help an existing company or organization add to their bottom line? Or help their users. For example, Slack-based companies need tax management systems, email marketing, and a whole list of other tools. Well, early on, before being big shots, Slack might have been able to partner with an Asana or a Trello, a MailChimp or an Aweber, and they could have grown together. Here's a couple examples that could have worked. One, they could offer exclusive Asana-only deals for companies. Hey, you're on Asana. Sign up now for Slack, and instead of 5 bucks a month, get it for $2.50 a month because we love Asana. Or another example. They could offer Asana $100 for every organization that signs up for Slack. Hey, Asana, we know a lot of your customers need communication platforms. Do you want to join our partner program? Every new company that you get on board, that's 100 bucks for you. Now Asana's winning, before their customers were. Either way, they're happy. Or you know what? The third option, a joint raffle. Every company, you partner with a bunch of companies in the field that aren't competitive. Now we drive traffic to an opt-in. Everyone does a giveaway, we all offer up different services, and at the end, one person wins and everybody gets the list. Either way, all of the companies participating win. The opportunities are endless. The point is, look at your company, how it aligns with others in the industry, both large and small. Perhaps maybe you can help each other win and grow faster by working together. It just takes an idea, one cold email, and everything could change. Pro tip, find tons of companies with similar concerns and goals. And cold email all of them. Most aren't going to respond. Most will say no. The best way is spray and pray. One or two might just come through. And that could make the difference. Six, marketplaces. Most products have relevant marketplaces. Amazon and eBay do physical products. The App Store and Google Play... They sell apps. Shopify even has their own store for add-ons. The point is, most marketplaces are valuable. They have a network of users which drives traffic to your offering early on. Optimizing for each market's gonna be, marketplace is going to be different, though. Most will be similar enough. Based off of my experience on Amazon, SEO and rankings are going to be all about relevancy, reviews, sales and or downloads, and conversion rate. Each market wants to show the best, most relevant offer to the users, because that's how they get paid when people buy stuff. Relevancy. It's all about SEO. Find the critical keywords and include them in your listing. Google Keyword Planner is a great place to start. For reviews, ask friends and family. If it's a good product, you'll start to get more and more reviews and traction as you onboard users. For sales and downloads, always start with lower price. 
Lower prices get the ball rolling and boost conversion rates, which is a big plus for marketplaces. The higher the conversion rate, the more likely that a customer actually wanted that. If your conversion rate's 10%, another guy's is 2%, eventually you're going to outrank them because you're doing a better job delivering value for the customers of the marketplace. Give the customer what they want. That's how marketplaces make money, on the transaction fees. Help them make more money, and they'll help you. Strategy 7. Content creation. Content's king. Oh, that's what they say. In my opinion, that's bullshit. Good content combined with good marketing is the answer. Without marketing, content's meaningless noise that never gets on people's radar. That said, content is great for lead gen. From blog posts to podcasts, videos to Instagram, the more good stuff you put out there and promote, the more able you are to position yourself and your company as experts and people worth taking note of, and the more likely you are to be found. Content's slow, though. SEO takes forever to deliver results. It's not a short-term solution. It won't drive great traffic and sales overnight. It is worth investing in, though. And content like referrals are a great, cheap way to get users. But it requires planning and long-term commitment. You need a long time frame to succeed. Most startups don't have the time, money, or energy to commit to this early. How about a better way? Make one to two killer articles or videos and share them everywhere. Use these for a lead gen and scream at the top of your lungs. If they're incredible, they'll start to get some traction, and they can be used in your sales cycle. And for getting email opt-ins. I would recommend explainer videos or sales videos. Both of the uh, explainer videos are sales videos that aren't pitchy. Anything that's superly pitchy, it won't work well. Exciting demos, that could be great. Really valuable articles and content on the subject matter, that could be great. That's the kind of stuff people share, not sales pitches. Part 2. Retaining customers. There's two ways to build a bigger business. Acquire more customers or increase the lifetime value per customer. The best businesses, they do both. Churn. Churn's the biggest problem SaaS companies face. In case you're new to this, churn refers to customers leaving your service. This can be deleting an app, opting out of Netflix, or canceling an account. Either way, that spells disaster. You work so hard to acquire customers, you need to be able to keep them. You spent time and probably money for that user, and like a bad relationship, it's over. If you haven't recouped your costs, you lose. Even if the LTV is greater than the cost of acquisition, you're still missing out on money. And in business, every dollar counts. Ways to prevent churn. Churn happens. There's nothing you can do to completely stop it. But there are plenty of ways to minimize it. These are just incredibly valuable. If not more so than acquiring new customers. Here's 8 tips. 1. Make onboarding easy. 2. Offer incredible customer service. 3. Build an awesome product. 4. Continually improve your offering. 5. Keep prices competitive. 6. Increase customer engagement. 7. Make your product mission critical for companies. That might be the most important. And 8. Incentivize longer contracts. Making onboarding easy. Every phrase of a relationship is key to keeping customers. Most important early on is getting people in and getting them involved. Whether customers pay up front or get a free trial, you need to get users hooked on your service from day one. That's hard to do. Cut out that little nose part, please, Gaspar. Most powerful products require a bit of explanation to get the full benefit. Do whatever is necessary to get users going. Usage guides and tutorial videos are huge. 
These allow users to learn at their own pace and get started. They're incredibly scalable, and from a cost perspective and reducing churn measure, they're both great for decreasing customer service issues. A few tips though. The higher the price point, the more handholding may be required. For high value customers, it might be smart to offer some onboarding assistance, if needed and economically feasible. Webinars work great as well. Webinars are a scalable one-to-many way to help users. Record these sessions, add them to your frequently asked questions page. It'll make your life easier and save a ton of money on customer service. But keep it systematized. If the system's somewhat complex, consistent email reminders and tutorials take the hassle out of getting started. Customer engagement should be a KPI, likely the most important KPI, at least after the sale. Remember that and you're going to reduce churn. Offer incredible customer service. This should be obvious, but many founders have this up. Don't do what big corporates do. Dinosaur companies get by despite awful service. Treat your customers like kings and they'll stick around. Respond quickly to questions, have a sense of humor and personality, add a bit of a personal touch, have frequently asked questions and guides easily accessible on the site. Sometimes they're really hard to find. Apologize when you screw up, underpromise and overdeliver, and of course, constantly survey customers and focus on net promoter score to see how you're doing and where you can do better. Number three, build an awesome product. If your product sucks, no one's going to stick around. Again, underpromise, overdeliver. Enough said. Four, continually improve your offering. SaaS is great because it's constantly getting better. Better functionality, more features, greater usability. These are the things customers love and the reason SaaS is eating the world. There is more, there's no more one and done. Now you got to wow your customer once and again and again and again. Customers can quit anytime. Competitors are constantly innovating, constantly pushing new updates. That's the beauty of software. It can be quickly changed, upgraded, and improved. For a startup, that means always pushing code. You should set a tempo for your dev schedule. If you're not releasing updates or enhancements every quarter at the least, you're under-delivering. You're probably dying. Pro tip. Wufoo does this wonderfully. They timestamp updates and inform users on changes and improvements since they last visited. The company cares about me and is constantly working to make my subscription more valuable. What? Steal that strategy from them. Show a since you've been gone status update so they'll see what you're working on to wow and make their money more valuable. People like that. Five, keep prices competitive. Scaling software doesn't take much. With some set costs and some small variable fees, you can easily grow a business with big margins. But who's your ideal customer? That's the question. High-end and mass market are two very different animals. Either offer the best or offer the rest. There's no middle ground. Either way, you need to stay competitive to compete on pricing. How's your service compared to the competitors? Overpriced? Underpriced? Not sure? Find out. If you're the first to market, that's awesome. You get to set the standard. Ask prospective customers about pricing. Find out what matters for them. Is it cost? Is it usability? Is it support? What is it? Every company has different focuses. Find your user's focus and align your pricing and offering accordingly. Introductory pricing. A note. Many businesses offer introductory pricing, really low prices to attract users. It works well. From a user perspective, however, it's horrible. It attracts the wrong type of clients. Companies constantly looking for a better deal are always going to churn, and churn fast. There's always a cheaper offer. Plus, upping the price on a customer feels wrong. Whether they agreed to it or not, contracts like this that incentivize the wrong things and misalign startups and their users rarely work out. Look at the telecom industry. Everyone hates them. Instead of focusing on value and free trials, focus on fully functional free trial and customer usage. Let customers play before they pay. 
This gets them hooked on your product or service and drastically increases conversion rates. Most will stay on after the trial, assuming they're engaged and assuming it's awesome. So, increasing customer engagement. Number six, every product has a turning point. Users that reach this rarely quit and those that don't are bound to leave. Different for every company. For Facebook, it was the newsfeed. Once users had 10 plus friends, I believe in a week, it was either 10 friends in a week or seven friends in 10 days, probably 10 friends in a week. But by then, stories would show up daily and they're hooked. For Pinterest, it's similar. Over X number of categories and coming back X number of times per month. And then it's interesting. You've got a user for life. But what about B2B? Slack needed just a couple of employees before a company decides to join and take control. And marketers know MailChimp or Aweber or whatever you use, SendGrid. Once an autoresponder is set up, no entrepreneur wants to go back to manually sending messages. Automation saves time and money and is constantly working. The examples go on and on. Every startup has a turning point. In the beginning, every interaction with users, it needs to push them towards that pivotal moment. Figure out what this is and find out how to help your users get there. Seven, the number one most important one, make your product mission critical for companies. People hate pain. We avoid pain and discomfort more than we work towards health and happiness. That's just human nature. How can you make a breakup painful? That's the question. Companies that embed themselves in their customers' operations are irreplaceable. Irreplaceable equals incredibly valuable. How do you help your users? What value do they get from your service? What would losing your service mean for them? E-commerce sellers use PayPal and Stripe. They have small businesses and they need to get paid. Lose that and their business is bust. These companies have to have a payment provider or they are screwed. Hosting, email marketing, advertising, all of these are integrally linked to business. Any one of them is critical to company success, and losing it would spell disaster, at least for a while. And there are tons of other examples. Booted from Airbnb or Uber? So long side income. Kicked off of Amazon? I know it's happened to tons of million-dollar sellers, I know. Shit. All of these are examples of mission-critical services. Users almost never leave. Churning would be suicide. Some of those weren't SaaS examples, but it, it illustrates the point. And this is the ultimate addiction. Build your business towards this, and you will be successful. 8. Incentivizing longer contracts. Cash is king. Money in the bank means you can grow and scale without worry. At least for now, your startup's safe. One way some companies create value is through longer contracts. Look at mobile carriers, those same ones we hate with a low introductory pricing. But AT&T and Verizon, they built mega empires around cell phone contracts. Sign up for 24 months and get a new phone. You remember the Razer phones, you remember the flip phones, the camera phones, the iPhone. By the way, that extra long contract, it means it's a little bit of a better rate too. That's the key, the better rate. Not all companies have sexy bonuses for extended contracts, but all startups can offer a deal. And a deal's often perfect for you. It means upfront cash even if a user decides to leave. The key is to focus on LTV. Set your plan to outlive your average customer attention in LTV. For example, if an average customer sticks around for 7 months at a $100 price point per month, that's $700 LTV. But what if you offered a yearly price with a 25% off discount that's a huge discount. It's also 900 bucks. How many potential users would take you up on that bargain? Probably a ton. It might even improve conversion rates. And that means $200 more than your average user. It means more money, and it's more money now. These type of extended incentives drive profits. Plus, your fixed costs hardly change. That means increased LTV, but that's not all. More users probably means more referrals. If a user sticks around in benefits for an extra five months, that's five months that they might be able to promote your product. Any extra referrals, that's icing on the cake. A win-win for you and your users. So, 
As we've said before, SaaS is king. Low fixed costs, near infinite scalability, addictively attractive recurring revenue. That makes software the sexiest thing since sliced bread. And I love my sliced bread. Around the world, SaaS companies are starting and growing and raising tons of money around the idea of recurring revenue. The competition's fierce, the rewards are enormous. Remember, ideas are worthless, execution's everything. Again and again and again, it comes back to this. You have your ideas, now you need to go execute. Get customers, retain customers. Nothing else is important. You know what to do. Go make it happen. So what do you think? Have you built a killer SaaS company? Have you invested in a dud? What are your thoughts on SaaS, the article, and the future of tech as a whole? I love hearing your perspectives. I love learning more from what other people have been through. If this has been interesting for you, the syndicate.vc, go into the blog. You'll be able to find this article, other podcasts, blog posts, blogcast, and our video series where we have some incredible roundtables with some of the smartest and best industry experts in the world on a variety of different topics, cryptocurrency, artificial intelligence, driverless cars, consumer tech. We have a couple more coming up on VR and AR. Do not miss out. The syndicate.vc slash subscribe. If you want to get on our newsletter, get all of our incredibly interesting content. Not just from me, because let's face it, other people are smarter, better, stronger, faster, doing more incredible things. I am just a guy here working with and investing in startups. I do have some occasional writing, which is what you're listening to now. Hopefully you like this more than a blog post. If you do, would love a review on iTunes. The syndicate.vc for both of our podcasts, all of our content, or to join our syndicate. The syndicate.vc slash join if you're an angel investor accredited with over a million bucks in net worth, excluding your current res- residential home or 200k a year in personal income. One or the other, that's good. The syndicate.vc slash join. But you want to get in on our podcast newsletter and get all the good stuff. So the syndicate.vc, come say hey. And if you like this, we'd love if you'd share it around on Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is. Maybe you're a LinkedIn guy. And if you want to chit chat, Twitter, Twitter's always good. At it's Matt Ward. I know it's an incredibly egotistical name, but you know what? All of the Matt Ward variations were taken. So it's Matt Ward. I'm Matt Ward. At it's Matt Ward. Yeah, I'm going to say it because it's kind of awesome. Until next time, this has been the episode on incredibly epic SaaS companies and how to make addictively sexy recurring revenue. I will talk to you guys again next time, but now I need some coffee. Cheers.